0: Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. There's a show called Adam Ruins Everything. Anyone anyone ever heard of that show? Okay. It's not very popular, obviously, but there's this show called Adam ruins everything. It's kind of a crass show, but this millennial basically this young guy named Adam, the premise of this show, the gist of it is is that he tries to take something that we have believed that is true for our lifetime or however long or that we just assume to be true and he tries to prove that it is actually false or that it is unnecessary. That's kind of the whole idea. He wants to ruin what we've believed. Now, one episode that I did see, he took this idea of the engagement ring, that when a man proposes and he asks his girlfriend to be his wife, to enter into an engagement period, that this giving of the ring was actually a marketing ploy by this diamond company called De Beers uh, diamond company. In 1938, this was the first time he says there's recorded that there would be this uh, marketing strategy to say, you need to give a diamond ring when you propose. That's how you're supposed to do it. And they even came up with the two-month rule that you're supposed to use two months of your salary on the ring to propose with that <laughs> ring. And so he tries to ruin these ideas of, of things that we have thought are true or that we think that are lovely or nice. And he says, no, it's actually a scam. You've been fooled. Okay. You're an idiot that you get an engagement ring when you propose. Real nice show, right? So here's what I've come to find out in 25 years of ministry. And I was actually doing the math and I was like, 25 years of ministry? I can't believe I started when I was five. But 25 years of doing ministry, I've come to find out that religion ruins everything. See, what I mean by that is that Christianity is often lumped into this conversation of religion. That when we say the term religion, a lot of times people will associate Christianity with it. However, we've also heard of other religions, and these religions will do things that we would, would cause us to vomit or revolt. And yet, however, they're deemed the same thing because it's just all thrown under this lump category of religion. I mean, you and I, we've seen or we've heard on the news someone who claims in their name of their religion something that they have done, whether that be destructive or what we would say evil, but yet it's a religion. And since Christianity is a religion, it somehow equates to being the same thing, and that is disheartening. So what I want to do this series is help us understand how religion ruins everything. I want us to help us understand what religion really is. And so I want to bring clarity to that word, to that term. I want to bring clarity to what Christianity is all about. So I want to start with some context. I want to start with a common understanding and help us to understand that word, religion. Because it gets real shaky. Okay, It can get real blurry because we all have different images that come into mind when I say that word. We have different experiences when it comes to that word. So let's define it today. So when I'm saying religion ruins everything, when I use the term religion throughout this series, what I'm referring to is this, that religion is a man-made path to God. That's what it equates to. A religion is man-made, and it's this path or attempted path to God. That's what religion is. Now, most of those paths, if you look at them, are basically a do and don't list. It is you better do this to get to this supreme being, or you better not do this if you wanna get to this supreme being, but it is all up to you climbing this path or pursuing this path, and you better follow these do's and don'ts. And if you do the do's right and you stay away from the don'ts, at the end, you'll get that gold star from the supreme being. And you might even get a cookie. And, and you get that check mark. Or if you don't do a good job going down the path, you're going to get the demerits. right? The cookie's going to be taken away. And that's the man-made path to God. And what I would say is that in the simplest form, all of these man-made paths to God, the simplest form possible, are just flat-out arrogance. Because it's all about man. It's all about... Woman, it's all about the person and what they can do. See, all of these man-made paths gods are saying, okay, I, if, I can get there if I'm good enough on my own. I can get there if I climb hard enough. I can get there if I, if I could just right this wrong, if I could put enough effort into this, if I could just do enough good. Ultimately, it says, this man-made path to God says, ultimately, I'm the way to God. That's what religion is. It is saying, I can do it. You can do it. I can do it. I can get to God. But that's not the path Jesus described. In fact, what he said was, I am the way. I'm the path, the truth, and the life. He says, no one, no one can come to the Father. That's to God except through me. See, Christianity is not a religion. That was never the intention of Christ. Christianity is not comprised of a list of do's and don'ts. Listen to me. Christianity is not us creating a way up to God. It is God coming down to us to make a way for us. That's Christianity, and that is different. It's not us trying to get up there. It is God saying, I'm going to come to you and make a way for you to be with me. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, if you think about Jesus and what he described, his mission, when he came to earth and what he taught, he said these very words. For the Son of Man, he was describing himself, came to seek and to save those who are lost. That is the mission of Jesus. He was very clear. I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. Now, if we can make our own way up to God, why did he need to come? Why didn't he need to come seek and to save those who are lost? If it's all on us, if it's all on you, why did Jesus need to come? It would be pointless for him to give up the glory of heaven, to come be born in a manger, and to walk this earth, ultimately be crucified for us, and to be resurrected. It's pointless if we don't need him. If it's just up to you to try harder. If it's just up to you to do more good, Jesus did not come to establish a new religion. Jesus came to establish a new relationship with you, with me, with us. That's why he came. Not to start this new religion called Christianity or the way as it was first dubbed or coined. No, he came to provide a relationship, to create a new relationship with us. And that's what separates Christianity from everything else in the world. It's not a man-made path. It's a relationship with the one true Lord. It's a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one God who created all of this. We get to have a relationship with Him through Jesus. That's a pretty cool relationship. Name me someone famous. Like who's someone that's uber famous not like your uber driver you're like oh man stefion is really cool he's a great uber driver okay not that that famous i'm talking about like really famous like uber famous all right give me one carrie okay yeah that's a good one she's famous who else jordan the goat okay now we're getting somewhere what else katie a little less than jordan okay who else Michael Jackson. We got a lot of MJs, okay? So we could go through the list. Well, let's just take one of these famous people. You are real chatty today. 9.30, they were just spitting them out, okay? They must have had some extra coffee, but they were ready to go. You guys are like, who's famous? What does that word mean? Okay, Katy Perry is a good one, all right? Do we know anything about Katy? Give me some facts about Katy Perry. Okay? You, you're ready to go, okay? So... Yes, Katie grew up in a, a family of ministers. Mom and dad were, I think, evangelists, maybe in the local church at some point, but they would travel, speak, they would share the gospel that way. All right, so yeah, she had a Christian background. In fact, if you didn't know this, she uh, was on TBN one time singing when she was trying to make it before she became Katy Perry. She was was in a POD video. Okay, so she has a, yeah, she has a Christian upbringing is sad that i know this anyone else before i give all my Katy perry facts all right i'm a katie cat <laughs> just kidding okay <laughs> i just know too much pop culture okay give me some anyone else okay now you're embarrassed i cannot give a katie perry fact because i will be called out anyone know anything else about Katy perry Not her real yes you, you just do this today facts all right that is correct her name there's katie good job nick so Katie's real name is Katie, but it's not Perry. Her real name is Katie Hudson. She has a stage name, Katie Perry. Now, here's another interesting fact. Jeff Osborne, who will be leading us in musical worship next week, who helped us start this church. Phenomenal. Glad to have Jeff back. His sister went to high school with Katie in California. Katie grew up in California, and she knew her as Katie Hudson, who is now Katie Perry. All right, anything else? She hates Taylor. They've made up. There was some Swifty... I know, gosh. Can we pick someone else next time? Like, I know too much. Yeah, t- we could have said T-Swift, you know? We could have been the Swifties, all right? So they had a little, uh, okay, we don't need to go into that. Yes, they, they had a beef, but now they're friends, kind of. Anything else? Okay, let's not go anymore. <laughs> let's end it there. But here's the thing. All right, listen to me. There's... Facts that we can know about famous people. Do we know Katy Perry? Yeah, you would say I might. Do I really know Katy Perry? No. I have never met her. Now we can know things about someone, but not yet really know them. See, when it comes to God, same thing. You can know a bunch of stuff about God. You could name the books of the Bible, you could name how many, you could name Uh, some of the authors, you could name some of the scenarios, of context, you could name some verses even, but you might not really know God. Now, how would I know Katy Perry? I would have to have some sort of connection. I would have some sort of contact. I would have to have some sort of uh, getting close opportunity to converse and communicate and have questions and ask and all those things that would form a relationship. Same thing with God is that if you want to get close to God, there needs to be time spent with God. We talked about this last series, Living in the Vine, about abiding with Him. But the Bible does talk about being friends with God, which is this incredible concept. But the Bible also speaks to our relationship in a different way. I'll put it to you this way. Anybody know any of your family members? (laughs) Some of you like oh crazy Uncle Eddie, I don't want to know. But yes, you're in relationship with people in your family, Now, how did that happen? Well, birth, adoption potentially. But here's the thing. See, not only are we friends with God, which is this incredible thought, and we have spent time with that, but the idea goes for me further that we are a child of God for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. That's the verbiage that is used when it comes to a relationship with God. See, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And in this relationship, we are grafted into the vine, which is a biblical way to say that we are placed within the family of God. I'll give you some verses, the Bible describing our relationship with him and a family. Ephesians 1 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Romans says, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as what? His own children. And then one of my favorite verses, John 1:12, says, but to all who believed him, all, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. All throughout scripture, those who put their faith and trust in Jesus have been adopted have received this new birth into the family of God. And verse 12 of John 1 says, anyone who believes, you say, it can't be anyone. There's some bad people out there. No, anyone who believes can become a member of God's family. I and mean, one of the best examples is the guy who wrote half or, or most of the New Testament. His name's Paul. But that dude hated Christians. He was very religious, yet hated the things of Christ he was trying to earn his way to god and so he helped send christians to to prison and to even death but yet he has this encounter with god that changes his life and he becomes born again he is adopted into the family of god and he writes a large part of the new testament one of those letters is romans and i'm just going to break down Romans chapter 3 for us. And if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to find it. If you don't, that's okay. We'll throw it on the screens. Make sure that you can see it. But in Romans chapter 3, we're going to look at what Paul writes. He's writing to Gentile, which is a non-Jewish person, and to Jewish believers. And he sets up this picture, uh, trying to paint this picture of freedom, that it's not about earning your way to God. It's not about knowing the facts. It's not about knowing some stats. It's not about doing good works. It's not about being religious. It's not that those things aren't what save us. We're free from earning our way to heaven. Now, Romans chapter three, verse 20. I want to look at it together. It'll be on the screen. This is very important. This is what he writes. A man who hated the things of Christ, who had his life changed, says this, for no one. There's no exemption here. He says it's no one. It's not no one but these people. It's no one can ever, now that's a long time. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. He's saying the law's purpose isn't that if you follow it to perfection that you're going to be okay with God. He says, no. The law was put into place to show us that we do the opposite of that. We covet, we lie, we don't honor our parents all the time. We might steal. Okay, these things we don't. Uh, we might take God's name in vain or use it in a dishonorable way. He's saying. The Law there shows us that we mess up because every one of us in here has not kept it perfectly said so, so keeping it isn't what's going to make you right verse twenty one but now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Now listen, I just read. A time bomb right there. And so I want to backtrack just a little bit because what I just read is so important. I want to pause here and I want to unpack this. I want to walk through these verses because God did something for us that only he could do. Look at verse 21 again. But now," now, this is written because Paul's saying, this is opposed to a long time ago. This is something new right now in the first century. But now, God Has shown us. Well, hang on. If God has shown us something, what is it? Let's look. Okay. If God is showing us something, we should figure out what it is a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. So he's talking about God made us a way to be right or righteous. What he's saying is God has given us a way to have a right standing with Him. Now, a right standing just means that there's no junk, there's no weirdness. Everything is cool between you and God. That's what a right standing means. doesn't mean you're perfect, but when you get together with God, you're fine. It's okay. It's good. Paul's saying, I want you to know about this right standing so that when you face God, you can say everything's cool, everything's right, I'm not perfect, far from it, but as far as me and God go, we're all right, we're okay. I don't have to dodge him. It doesn't have to be awkward. I don't have to be weird. I'm in right standing with him. Everything is okay between me and God. Now, don't miss this. This is how he says we can have this good standing with God. He says it's from God, (laughs) which that's a big deal, that this right standing comes from God. It doesn't come from us. Being okay with God, being in good with God is not on you. It's not up to you, it's from him, it's from God. This is a big deal because every other religion in the world says, no, 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 a right standing with God doesn't come from God, it comes from me, it comes from my effort. And Paul's like, no, that's not it, it's not about you, it's not about your effort. He makes it clear that it's not from us when he says this, without keeping the requirements of the law. This is the ticker flashing on the bottom of the screen saying breaking news. It's not about keeping the law. This is brand new on planet Earth. You can have a right standing with God that comes from God apart from the law. Simply means you don't earn it. You don't have to know a bunch of stuff about God to say, all right, now I'm okay with God today. I learned enough today that I'm okay with him. It's not about being good enough today that you're okay with God. And the whole system that says you do good and God will accept you, and if you don't do good, God won't, is invalid. It's done. There is no cosmic scale at the end of time that is weighing our good or bad determining if we're okay with God. Boy, we sure live that way. Boy, I sure hope my good outweighs my bad. How do you even know? you keeping really good tabs, but that's how we do it, okay? There's this cosmic scale, and Paul's like, no, it's not it. And it's hard to not think like that because for the most part, everything in our society is performance-based. We focus on certain goals so that we can get rewarded, like meeting criteria for raises or giving monetary uh, presence to your child who makes an A, and then diminishing it for the B, and then just a pat on the rear for the C. It's real easy for us to give off this impression that we only love you if you work for it, if you earn it, if you jump through a certain hoop. So no wonder when it comes to God, we just think more of the same. Right, We just associate that with God. I think if I do good, if I act right, if I jump high enough, if I duck low enough, I'll be okay with God. I'll be in a right standing with God if I follow all these rules. And Paul says, hang on, yo, hang on. That's how he used to talk. Hang on, yo, hang on. It's in the Greek somewhere. He says, no, that this is not what it is. This is new information. A right standing with God is available from God apart from the law. And he says, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. In other words, he's saying Moses representing the law and the prophets, basically the Old Testament. Paul saying, you shouldn't be shocked. The whole Old Testament pointed to this day when a man and a woman would not have to perform their way into God's graces. But a person could have a right standing with God as a gift from God apart from anything that they do. He says that's what the Old Testament pointed to. Verse 22, we are made right with God. Now that he said this is not how it is, now he turns to this is how. And you should be on pins and needles right now. Because if it's not our good, how is it? I would be, if I didn't already know the answer to the test, so to speak, if I didn't already know, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, I'm on the edge of my seat here. What? How is it? How are we made right with God? That's a big question. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Did I hear someone say amen? Amen. I am getting older, y'all, and I cannot hear as well as I used to i just making sure someone's saying amen to that. And this is true. Listen to this. How are we made right? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Listen, that is a mic drop if I've ever seen a mic drop. <laughs> Listen, it's not the law. We're made right by our faith in Jesus The old way of having a good relationship or having a right standing with God was more by yourself. The new way, the New Testament way, the way that gives you assurance when you go to bed at night. A right standing with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's where it is. And it's so important. Paul says, listen, this is true for everyone who believes. This isn't just for Americans. This isn't just for a certain kind of people and a certain zip code with a certain bank account with a certain color of their skin. This is for everyone. Anybody who puts their faith in Jesus can have confidence in Christ that they are in a right standing with God through their faith in him. Apart from the law. And I'm telling you, when that dawns on you, it changes everything you're no longer living for your glory and your performance you're living for the glory of God who saved your soul and changed your life and forgave your sin and gave you a right standing with the one true God that is a game changer that you don't have to try and work hard to earn God's love now he says everyone who believes now why he says that is because of the next verse this is very important because he says, and so we haven't read this yet, let's keep going. For everyone has sinned, okay? See, everyone, it's, this is available for everyone, and it's important that it's available for everyone because everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You know what it means to sin. It means to do something that's wrong, that's short of God's glory, of his perfection. Or it it means also, not just or, but also failing to do something right that God would want you to do. And we've all sinned in this room, every one of us, at least one time. I can guarantee it. I would put money on multiple times, but I'll be safe with at least one time. And if you've sinned at least one time, then you have something in common with everyone else on the planet. English speakers, non-English speakers, whatever hemisphere, whatever tribe, we all have something in common. We've done screwed up. Every one of us has done something wrong. Now, I get it. Some of us have sinned at a different degree or different intensity in our past, in our lives, but the scripture says we all fall short of his glory. The glory being the bullseye, the the greatness of God and doing what he would want us to do or... Living the way he would want us to live to give him glory. We've we've missed that mark. It reminds me, have have y'all seen, I don't know if this is brand new, but it is for me to see it on TV. The axe throwing competitions, have y'all seen that? Like on the ESPN Ocho, you know, they they throw these (laughs) axes at these targets. Now, it's not just a competition. You know, these businesses are popping up everywhere. There's one in more, I know of at least one, that you can go and throw an ax, right? It's supposed to kind of look like this. Well, we didn't get to see what happened there, Nick. Whoa. All right, so That's what it kind of looks like. But sometimes people go and it looks more like this. If you didn't catch that, let's see that in slow motion. She about got a haircut, okay? That was almost a scalping right there. Now, both that we saw in these videos missed the bullseye. Which means even though one missed greatly and one barely missed, they both missed. If God's standard of perfection is a bull's eye, it doesn't matter how close we are or how we think we, how close we are. It doesn't matter. We've missed. It could be by a mile. It could be by a centimeter. We've missed the mark. And that means we've got sin. We've screwed up and it's a really it's a, it's a fool's game to start comparing our good to other people and say well i've done this or i haven't been as bad as this person it doesn't matter we've all screwed up and because we've all fallen short we've all forfeited our right standing with god we don't have a right standing with god because of the sin that when we first sinned we were separated from god in that sense and so being more perfect cannot make up for an imperfection there is no term called nearly perfect, okay? Because it's either perfect perfect or imperfect. And so once we're imperfect, we will never be perfect on our own. And so he says, when we've, we've sinned, we've all fallen short of God's standard. But he goes on in verse 24, he says, yet God, okay, yet, even though we've all sinned and, and we've all screwed up, yet God in his grace freely makes us right. He gives us that Right standing with God. He makes us right in his sight. So even though we've screwed up, freely God provides a gift for us. Not something that we have to pay for. It is free to us and it's not because we deserve it. It's out of our gracious God. He allows us in his sight to be okay with him, good with him, in right standing with him. He did this. How? Through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins see now there is a penalty for sin I told you about us forfeiting our right standing there's a separation with God and if there is no forgiveness we will forever be separated but Jesus paid the price he paid the penalty of that sin and he frees us and gives us an out from that penalty and for those of us who have questions like that doesn't make sense, we'll keep reading. Verse twenty-five: For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God; they're in right standing with God. They're righteous when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God who, or uh, shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Now, what does this mean? God presented Jesus as a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that is given or put on an altar in order to make up for something else. I've messed up. And so I need a sacrifice to get back into a good relation or connection. And every one of us, we have felt this toward God. There has been some decision we made. We had a bad weekend or we had a, we've just had a bad life and we're not feeling that we're okay with God. We sense that there's a disconnect, that we're lacking something with him and we think something needs to be made right. There needs to be a reconnect. And so we go through this thing. Well, I need to be more religious so that I can be okay with God because I sense there's a disconnect. I'm sensing the separation because of sin. And so I'm going to have to pray more. I'm going to have to be with a church more. I'm going to have to give. I'm going to have to do something to make up for this mistake that I made. Now, there's a biblical word for that. It's debt. We know God is owed. God, I owe you an apology. God, I owe you to be better. I owe you to give, to serve. I've got to do something to make up for the fact that I done did it that something in my heart is wrong. But the problem is, you can't make up for it. You can't. You, me, we can't. It is a real debt. It is a real disconnection. But on our own, we're not going to make it up. It is something that we sense. But the incredible news of the gospel is God said, I'll take care of it. I will send my son to step into the gap and pay the debt. I'll take care of that debt, of that disconnect. I'll make it right. And so God sent his son to die for our past sins, our present sins, our future sins, so that we don't owe him nothing. Not more righteousness to make up for the disconnect. And yes, we, we're going to feel ashamed and we're going to feel disconnected, but when we turn from that and we turn to him, God's going to say, I got you. You're okay with me. We're in good Jesus has already taken sin out of the equation. You're covered with his blood. In fact, the Bible tells us that his righteousness becomes our righteousness. Not because you've done something good, but because you put your faith and trust in Jesus and he did everything good. And so it's not about you, it's about him. And that's the reason Jesus died, because the debt had to be paid. It would be unjust for the sin not to be paid. The penalty not to be served, justice, not to be served. So God sent Jesus to pay that price. Verse 26, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. That's awesome. God couldn't ignore the sin, okay, he's holy. And so sin had to be dealt with. But he said, I'll deal with it through Jesus, my son, and he'll pay the price. And that his righteousness will become the sinner's righteousness so that I don't see a sinner. I see my son. I see his righteousness. Listen, we're going to talk in this series some pretty revolutionary things. I can't wait to. I want to go there now, but I'm going to save some of this about who you really are in Christ. But I can tell you this. You have the righteousness of Jesus. You have been declared Righteous, not on your own, but because of a trust in Jesus. And I'm just telling you, when that light bulb goes off, when you understand who you are in him because of him, things look different. This is what I found. Forgiven people have an easier way of forgiving people. Loved people have an easier time of loving. Accepted people, in spite of our past, have a whole lot easier time accepting people in spite of their past. See this good news the gospel isn't just for the afterlife, it is to impact you now, your relationships now, who you are now, and that you can go to bed tonight and know. I don't know about him or their, him or her, but I'm okay with God. I'm in good with God. I'm in right standing with Him. I can face Him, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. See so well, you think, well, you don't know what I've done. It, it's too heinous or listen. All of us in this room were without hope apart from Jesus. You might think you're hopeless, and you're right. Apart from Jesus, you are. And I was, and those in here that have put their faith in church, same thing. There is no hope for you outside of Jesus. Being religious isn't going to cut it. The message of the gospel is this. You don't have to pay for your sin. They've been paid for. The sacrifice was already made. The penalty was already taken care of. Jesus faced the wrath of God. It was poured upon him. He he was the punishment for our sin, your sin, my sin. He took it. It's done with. Now it's you believing and trusting in him. See, God didn't come for a new religion. He came for a relationship. He pursued you through his son. See, religion is about us while Christianity is about God. See, one day, if you're to die, and you will, Newsflash: We all gonna die one day. Aren't you so blessed today and encouraged that you are a part of a gathering of everyday church? The pastor came up and said, "You're gonna die one day." Hallelujah. (laughs) Sadly, I, I I visited. I came this morning, and our our neighbors to our gathering place are experiencing a death, and it happens. You don't know, but let's just say it's today, and you're to stand before God, and He says, "Why should I let you in?" If your thought is any of this, well, I was a good person. I was a good old boy, a good old gal. I did some pretty good things. I helped, I helped 10 old ladies across the street last week. I don't know where they were coming from. I was by the nursing home, and I was just helping them along. I was herding them like cattle for the glory of Jesus. In my mind, that was funny. Okay, I know you're not laughing, but I was really into that one. Amen. You think, man, I was a really good person. And if you're basing your entrance into the kingdom of heaven all on you, that's a religion, a man-made path to God because it's all about you. But if you could say with confidence, I gave my life to Jesus who paid the price and penalty of sin for me, defeated death, came back to life. I am a child of God because of a birth in him, a relationship with him. I put my faith in him. Listen, that's Christianity. That's a follower of Jesus. That's what that looks like. And so my question today is, what would you say? And listen, be honest. If you were to say, if your first thought was anywhere in the realm of you, let's put our faith in Jesus today. Let's become a follower of Christ. Let's really mean it and turn our life over to him and say, all right, I get it. I've been basing it on me, but it's about him. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. So whether you're on Facebook Live or in this room, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. No one look around. See, sometimes people say, will you help me, John? I don't know what I would pray. I'll help you. I'll give you some words to pray. It's not magical. It's about your heart. You could sit there and pray some words in your own heart, but I want to help you. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been basing your life on your good, or maybe you were just apathetic and you didn't care, but today you care, and you want to give your life to Jesus. Would you pray something like this in your heart? saying, I admit, God, I have met. I've messed up. I've sinned. I do not deny that. I have failed. I've screwed up before. But right now, I believe. I believe in Jesus. That he's the son of God. He died for me. Rose again. I believe. And so, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Take over. Jesus, be my Lord, my boss, my savior. In the best way that I know how. I don't get it all now. I don't understand everything now, but I'm in. I commit to follow you. I'm in. I believe. Save me. Take over. No one looking around. If you prayed that, listen, heaven rejoices. And I want to rejoice with you. I I want you to know this is what a church is. It's a brothers and sisters in Christ. We're a family. It is a faith family. And we have guests, and and we welcome people. We want people to be a part of the conversation for sure. But at its core... We're a family in this mission together. And we would love to help you, pray for you, encourage you. And so today, if you gave your life to Jesus, no one looked around. Would you just slip your hand up on Facebook? You can comment. But if you're in this room, would you just slip it up so I can see and know? I want to thank you. I'm not going to call you up or call you out. Awesome. Father, I pray for anyone making... That decision now, or want to have that conversation, that you would really soften their heart, open them to that, and they would genuinely have a new birth and cross over from death to life into a real relationship with you. Thank you for sending your son on our behalf. Thank you for your amazing grace because none of us in this room deserve it. No matter how much good we've done, it doesn't cut it with you. Our good enough is not good enough, but thank you, God, for Jesus. And his good being good enough. His perfection being our perfection. His righteousness becoming our righteousness. We love you and are so grateful. Our words cannot express. So we offer our lives as living sacrifices to you. For all glory. In your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church podcast. For more information on us, or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on, and we would love to hear from you if there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you, or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us, and we would love to to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.